Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Take this opportunity to optimize your operations because now you're working on, especially if you're in a mall, you're working on a better, you know, rental, I guess, from before. But you also have to manage your people and being able to adjust. I, I think that, you know, moving forward, this will be a seasonal thing, you know, every now and then. So it has to be that you have to have switches, I guess, like, okay, ECQ, pack. Turn the ECQ switch on. We know. Okay, set it up. Okay, this. How many tao ka dapat pag ECQ? How many, you know, when are you going to open? When are you going to close? So, really having that ready and, and always have a plan B, I guess. And good evening. Welcome to another RJ Ledesma podcast. It's a nice and muggy Tuesday evening. So I hope you guys are in a nice, cool place to enjoy tonight's podcast. And in the Argila Despa podcast, if you haven't heard from us just, just yet, in my podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs and learn more about how they think about business, what are their success secrets, and can we hack those success secrets as well for our own businesses? Also, how they've innovated their businesses during this pandemic. And more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in the period of the new normal and even the next normal? Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please let me know. Drop me a message. We are also live right now on Kumu CBRC TV. Global Pinas TV, and of course, Bounce Back Network. And before everything else, I'd just like to thank our friends from Kumu. A big hello, and thanks to our good friends from Kumu. Kumu is a Pinoy live streaming app where you can connect with Filipino streamers and celebrities. Please use our link in the description. Nathan, please show our link in the description to follow some of our Kumu streamers right now. Again, thanks so much, Kumu, for supporting us. Now, for all of you who are in the food and beverage industry, all the different brands handled by this gentleman and also his family business are an institution here uh, in the country. When I say foodie global concepts, you might not be too familiar with them, but I'm sure you are familiar with the brands that they carry. Now, Eric Thomas D is the chief operating officer, or some people might say child of owner, but ako talagang COO to chief operating officer of foodie global concepts, which is owned and handled by the D family who have been in the business for the past 30 years. Now, Foodie has the most Michelin-rated brands here in the Philippines, which include Tim Ho Wan and Hawker Chan, and also their beloved homegrown brands like Mesa, Pound, Sunny's Cafe, among many others. Now, Eric is a gentleman who I know is great when it comes to the School of Hard Knocks, and he'll be sharing with us his story later on but he's also an international business management graduate of Menlo College in California. And he uses the expertise 
and his sharp restaurant skills, which he learned when he grew up in the business to aggressively expand and bring the hottest and most accessible brands here to the Philippines. And aside from um, aside from Foodie Global Concepts, Eric also launched and operates the Food District Signatures that houses a number of restaurants in one Bonifacio High Streets. And he's the co-founder of the country's fastest growing cloud kitchen called Craver's Canteen, which is great because he talks about how it responded to the pandemic and surge of delivery during this time. It's a great way really to address pain points, which is exactly what we teach when we talk about the entrepreneurial mindset. So with that, may I please welcome Mr. Eric Thomas D to the thank RJ. You, thank, you, RJ thank you, RJ. Thank you for that flattering introduction, but you okay, know, words are okay, only bro. words on paper unless yeah. you can perform, di ba? <laughs> I was, I, I give a really great introduction para may GC na ako kaagad sa Team Hohan, pati na rin sa, ano, pati sa Hohan. Now, this is the thing lang, this is the interesting thing for people listening to me right now, no? You know what? He is one of many Eric D's in his family. In fact, they are all Eric D in his family. Can you help us understand I know that you're sort of like an architectural guide. To, yes, to, yes, yes. So it's no one's fault, but it's always a great conversation starter like today. So my name is Eric Thomas D. So correct, we are all named Eric. My brother, who is the younger brother, is Eric Enrico D, who handles uh, Sunny's brand and Sunny's face. Uh, and then I have my sister, who's Erica, uh, Erica Elizabeth D. <laughs> that handles mostly of our food courts. And then I have uh, my youngest sister, Erica Therese D, that handles Bondi Studios. And then you have my mom and dad, which is um, Enrico and Elizabeth, but people most know them for Bang and Ricky. <laughs> oh, yeah. So why Eric? Just, just, have, just wondering why. I think tinamad na si dad ko para it was easy before it was easy before that we were different ano, level but now when we deal with the same people at work it's becoming so complicated and it's always again a good conversation starter hey eric if your dad happens to be with you in the same venue nandiyan pa sa ngayon does he happen to be uh, there he's in or? manila right now yes Ay, but sayang. i think he's watching probably pwede mag guest star sana daddy mo ngayon dito pagtatawag siya sasagutin natin yan ipapasok ko yung dad mo dito it's what to let you know a lot of people great people watching here your friends from mesa hi sir eric watching the podcast now in behalf of mesa that's raymond federigan uh, he works with you also of course and richie Ann, say good evening more power i am and uh, thanks so much, Richie Am, for listening here as well. And of course, our friends from Restaurant Owners of the Philippines or Resto PH. It's a board that came together in the midst of this pandemic of all the restaurant owners. And of course, your dad is one of the board of advisors. I sit there as well. And it's really done a lot to help the restaurant industry during this time. I know we've had these conversations offline many times before that, you know, you know, it's a family business. But I think that at this point, your dad has sort of left you to your own devices to help run the business. And the big thing right now that many of the F&B people who are listening to this show is they're going, okay, the restaurant business was one of those that were hardest hit. And unlike the others, I mean, kumalit na restaurant ngayon, di ba? I mean, they're like, oh, I, I don't know how, I, I'm being hammered right now, especially at the start of the pandemic. How did you handle it when you had multiple restaurant concepts? Help us, help us. like I keep on saying on this podcast, we have people pivot or innovate during this time of the pandemic. What did you guys have to do initially uh, in, in Foodie Group uh, at, at the start of this I pandemic? Mean, definitely, it wasn't easy. Very, very difficult. But again, during backstage, we were talking about this. 2020 was like, okay, we were given the problem. We tried several things, several pivots, right? We chose our battles and kind of checked which one would work and which one would help. 
throughout that year, we tried to survive up until December. In fact, yung simula ng uh, pandemic, we were like, okay, baka by September, we should be okay na. In fact, I rebooked my flight. I was supposed to leave March 6th or something like that. But then the pandemic happened. We were like, okay, cancel the flight. And I said, okay, so let's really book by September. Because in my head, I totally thought that by September, we should be good to go. Uh-huh. And now forward to 2021, we're still here. At the beginning, what we did was we really felt that, you know, what we needed was consumer confidence at first, right? Safety was our priority at that time, really focused a lot on pushing how safe our environments are, how we, you know, disinfect our products. And I think in the long run, it helped. Uh, we saw that the people were gaining confidence and seeing that, oh, this is the restaurant that was practicing all these extra safety measures. How, how did you build that sort of customer confidence? Because uh, just to share people, uh, when I talk to Eric, is that there are two things which I saw happening for you. Number one is what you guys were doing was you were doing a sort of uh, campaign where you were sharing with people, like, what are good protocols, right? And you did videos. Tell, tell us a bit more how you rebuilt consumer confidence in, in the restaurant industry, if you don't mind, if you don't mind during the height yeah, of the pandemic. For, for me, I, I felt the fear. Right? For me, personally, ako pa, as a type of person, I don't care. Like, yeah, labas la. But, but at that time, I really felt really scared. I, I looked into a lot of things. And really, what we felt is we need to get the consumer confidence back. Why will I eat there? Because it's cleaner. It's safer. Right? So we had to push beyond what was required of us. So we reinstituted things like UV. And we also wanted to be the loudest people about it. Right? We want to make sure that, okay, we're, do- Kasi mahirap naman. we're, we're doing all these stuff and you, you can market it to people. So we made sure naman that everything, our UV disinfected all our, our utensils and everything like that. And we made sure that, you know, we strictly follow protocol and exaggerate even at some point, right? The reason why we do that is because we feel that people need to see it, right? So yep. we really exaggerate all our key points. And I told them, right, now is not the time to be, you know, you really have to show them, right? And and that was really key for us. And we really focused on that throughout the, the 2020. Uh, and 2021, our objective is really to go deliciously safer. And um, really, our objective now is really getting most of our stores fully vaccinated. So we have an entire program ready to roll out in the coming months of a fully vaccinated venue. So you, you saw at the very start, Eric, now that you wanted to build consumer confidence but that was to bring people back back into the restaurants, diba? But siyempre, diba, the, the, the notion of people right now, is it's, it's scary to go back into the restaurant. For restaurants like yours, because I'm, I'm sure that dining was the first priority. I mean, in, indoor, in-store dining and delivery was sort of like icing on the cake. No, on. I mean, of course, pre-pandemic, diba? Pre-pandemic, that was the case. So uh, how did you have to, I mean, was it strategically good to push for let's rebuild consumer confidence inside the, I mean, going back to the venue? Or did you think that it was, okay, let's do, let's kind of like focus on both. What, what, was, your, what was your read during that well, time? Well, for us at least, because we felt that really our dine-in is our forte. And really mm-hmm. we felt and we wanted to believe that we will dine again. I personally say, like, please lang, I hope we're not stuck with all takeouts and deliveries, please. <laughs> I need to experience ordering from someone, talking to a waiter, experiencing it. Altogether, I miss it. And I mm-hmm. think that it will happen again. We'll just take time. And if we were stubborn enough and say, like, that's the only thing that we're going to do, then we would have failed, right? So we, we really had to make sure that we focus on getting people back by consumer confidence, but also looking into the takeout and delivery side. You know, like you said, nga, icing on the cake. Because previously, you were looking at contributions before at as low as 10%, right? So parang... We I, all the instruction was focus on the dine-in because the, that's the returning customers. Okay, that's the people okay. that will come back to you and that's who will dine again. 
you know in, in restaurants it's not about that first time customer right na na ka lang sa alis. it's about the returning customers so we believe that taking care of our customers focusing on them is very important so that was our key drive pre pandemic and then now it happens that delivery has to contribute much bigger and for us it was a, a difficult adjustment but it had to be done you know costing had to be very different as you know pagdating na sa delivery it's more expensive because That's you're spending right. on right. packaging you're spending and, on everything else. And plus the delivery aggregator, the delivery provider also takes, a, takes, a com- right? takes a commission. So if you look at food, I mean, tell them if I'm wrong, this is like restaurant 101, but usually people, you often say that the rule of thumb is a third for the food cost, a third for, let's say, basically uh, your utility costs or whatever whatever operating costs you have, and a third right. is for your profit margin. So malaking kain niya, malaking kinakain niya ng packaging right. costs right. mo, pati na, and that's why, parang pati na rin ang delivery, di ba? Oh. Pre-pandemic, you know, we were like, oh, how, I wonder how people can can survive on just delivery alone with that mm-hmm. commission rate and everything like that. So, and then now post-pandemic, suddenly you're pushed into a corner and be like, okay, you have to make it work, right? Yes, they're taking 20% commission or 30, 25% commission, but you have to make it work. Meaning, do or die. <laughs> do or die. But, you know, now it's creating new brands, factoring in the commissions, doing, you know, adjustments into costing. And, it, you know, you have to work it. And yeah, again, so, this, this pandemic yeah. didn't have to happen, but it actually made us more efficient. It had accelerated it more efficient it accelerated working. It accelerated. It's like you your internally, but na, na, para, it, it became actually even better, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, you, you optimize. Kasi you optimize in the sense that, for example, with rentals now that are down, you optimize on manpower. Right? You optimize on food costs. You optimize on everything. Because now, you're looking at a sales that has dropped to as big as 90 80 70%. Right? There's some lucky if we get 50%. But now you're seeing that drop. So everything has to drop at the same time. Drop yeah. in everything that costs. Right? So you now nitpick on every single cost. They're like, okay, cell phone yan. Okay, lang natin yan. Oh, yan. <laughs> but today's small things, okay, packaging yan. Rework into packaging. How much are we spending on the per packaging? Baka okay. naman, nag, may managpadala sa akin, sabi ko, okay, send me our new product, Cropec, pagdating, sabi ko, eh, mas mahal pa yung packaging mo kaysa sa laman. Right? So, it's really looking into those minute details now, and that's why it's become better operated, I think. So, okay. once the, the sales come in, I think that it would be, hopefully, follow suit, right? So what you had to do, I mean, if, help me understand if I'm correct in my understanding. The first thing that you had to do is, okay, delivery was 10% before. Now it had to yeah. become a larger percentage. And because of that one, you were forced to make sure it worked because of the so change. It's so it's no longer icing on the cake. It's another stream of revenue. Talaga. So okay, it's so it to be added on to your dine-in versus, uh, uh, okay, konting dagdag lang yan. Para sige, tumas okay. benta ko ng konti. But now it's going to be like, your benta will be, What's contributing from your dining? What's contributing from your your takeout? And then, what did you what did you have to? And I, I like what you your discussion right now is that you really had to pare down the cost. Like you you had yeah. to micromanage the cost. Is, is that the biggest thing? Is that the biggest so, thing that you learned from delivery? What else did you yeah, learn yeah, from, from delivery? Micro cost everything. Plastic. How much? How much are we, like now we're spending more because we have safety seals. We have stickers to add on because we're writing times and names and. And when it was produced, and when it's going to be go bad, and all instructions for reheating and whatnot. So the additional cost, we had to rethink everything. In fact, from menu, we had to redo our menus from the time five menu changes for some brands, just because we're adapting from EQ to EQ, and then delivery changing patterns. So adjustment. And then at one point, people were like wanting grab and goes, and then mm-hmm. you know, para lang kasi they were getting essentials in the malls, and the bago lumabas, I want something quick. 
on the way out. out. So we got adapted it, to it. that. But then the wala rin yung trend na yun. Came back to like the normal trending na. So really para kang bali. Like, 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 wow, it's there. I mean, yeah. I remember those days na parang two weeks ahead of time. You could not, right. Yeah, you, you could not predict two weeks ahead of time what, what would be the consumer behavior. Eh? Diba? That, it became unstable. Consumer behavior was not something you could predict anymore. Oh. Exactly. Just, then, you know, oh. Naging parang, they, the, the, in your locations within the malls because everyone went to straight to an essential. That was crucial now. So before, kung kunwari, ang sama ng location ko, katabi ako nito. But now, naging daanan ka. Dahil nandung katabi mo, let's say, ang Watsons or whatever. So you have <laughs> so, to buy... Ka, diba? Pag-ganyan, diba? Diba? Oy, diba? So there's certain things that did very well. Like there's certain industries, like we had friends na nagkwinentuhan ko, grabe, baksa kami ngayon. But sila, they're in the packaging industry. So, so, diba? so parang swerte-swerte lang yan, diba? I mean, there are if you winners, were bis- there are winners, definitely. If you, if you were in the movie, if you were based near the movie house nowadays, patay ka na yung patay yung negosyo mo, diba? And then, uh, my winners, my winners, definitely. That's winners. why I think, you know, this pandemic really, it didn't have to happen, but it really optimized a lot of things. It showed all our weaknesses, but it also has really improved us overall in sense of cleanliness, in the sense of being hygienic, like before. For the America, it's so easy because they really graded on their hygiene and whatnot. In the Philippines, right? So that was, you know, something that for moving forward, it's gonna be good. The restaurants are gonna be maintained clean and you know hygienic, and that's gonna can continue. Um, and then again, you know, digitalization definitely. So let's talk. Let's talk about those things separately. Now, like. I like how digitalization has helped you. But the, the last thing I, wanna, I really want to tackle before I move on now is what is the biggest innovation and insight that you gained from everything you learned for first delivery? I want to I wanna know what, what can you share that you, ah, this, this is the perfect innovation and this is how it will move forward with delivery. What, what did you learn from the painful experience that well, became a good experience? Um, not everything is meant for delivery. So even though like, you know, as much as possible, the French fries. Everyone's still pushing delivering French fries when you know that the French fries will never get to you at its optimal. And why do it, right? So sometimes it's like letting go. Like for me, it's like for a burger place, why will I not sell French fries? But at the end of the day, because if you come to French fries are soggy, you know, kasalanan ko pa yun, di ba? So yeah, figure yeah. something out. We switched into a different product. We're now using Cropex, which travels very well, crispy from end to end, gives that same kind of like feeling that you need in your mouth. So you know, adapt. Uh, and, you know, really re-engineering the menu. We had to really yeah. re-engineer everything. We had to go through, you know, before if you menu change ka once a quarter or once every, you know, once every half a year. Now we've like, okay, adapt, adapt, change, change, take this out. To the point that, you know, in Mesa, we had to take out, you know, our star product. Wow. Uh, which was, <laughs> uh, our, you know, we have Christian. Which, and then we yeah, had yeah, to yeah, replace yeah. into a oh. different type of product. Because hindi na order na yung buong lechon and all that. So we had to now change into a lechon belly, which became a new product. And now what that we're trying to push again, it's really just figuring out. Like we're, we, we're not going to let go of Christian. It's coming back. But not at this point. So a lot exactly. of business changes mm-hmm. and really adapting, being agile, being, you know, it's repeated so many times, flexible, agile. But it's really true because yeah. you have to really adapt to every EQ change that's happening. You need, you need also, aside from EQ, I mean, ECQ, EQ, emotional quotient, also adversity quotient. I mean, that, <laughs> pili ko din yung tumaas sa atin, Eric, eh, diba? our yeah. adversity quotient as entrepreneurs really, really stressed like, okay, us like, during relax, this time. Relax, absorb it, and then like, okay, okay, let's figure this out. Yeah. Oh my God. But yeah, I know. Yeah, and I, it's good. Like we were discussing offline earlier on how, how it's really, I mean, 
our job as entrepreneurs and you as a restaurant entrepreneur is to find what are the silver linings over here or rather i often tell people it's like saying that our job as entrepreneurs is not to say the situation is bad or good our job as entrepreneurs is to say what are the opportunities which exist in bad times or good times but that's that's yeah. the way to, that's the way to look at it lang. i, I mean, call no it other choice. entrepreneurs Exactly. I got I got it. And there's an interesting story I want to share with you. It's a French fries. You're supposed to take it out the menu. But let's say something like potato corner where it's essential, right? potato corner. Yeah. So what John Mack did is my partner in Mercato is that he created the potato corner army, which is like virtual armies, like people who no longer have the franchises in the malls, but rather out of their own homes. And digitalization would be a way to get to Correct. them. And they would not buy... The, they would not buy the, the fries. No, they would buy the whole bags. They would buy Correct. the bags of fries uh, with the powder because that's one way to handle that issue, diba? Find different ways to get to your customer. And, and I think there's the, also innovations in packaging talaga. That's also something that we're looking into. Self-heating, using, you know, activated carbon to self-heat products. So we're also looking into those. Um, you know, if, you know, the Jollibees can get your chicken joy to you, crispy and still you know at its optimal level then it is possible it's just really put some mind into it you know keeping the thing less oily absorbent products you know aerate things so there's a lot of things that can be done definitely wow hey there my name is chloe just dropping by this podcast to tell you that I'm on one too. It's called The Great Connections Podcast. Over there, we talk about the lives of Filipinos overseas at ang descarte sa buhay OFW. So go ahead and listen to The Great Connections Podcast after you finish this episode, okay? The Great Connections Podcast is available on all major podcast platforms. See you there! The Great Connections Podcast. Having said that, uh, that's really like, I really wanted because I didn't want to get into delivery. I think it was great because people need to appreciate that coming from you. But now the the, the big elephant in the room is dine in. Diba? I mean, for many of them, I mean, if you look at it, there was a point they're asking you to open up ten percent of your dining area, and you operate at the. Mo- I mean, there's air. I mean, there are fixed costs which you cannot bring down. Even if you operate at 10, 20, even 30% capacity, if you operate the whole day, you're just operating at a loss, right? And I'm saying that one because I'm trying to give some perspective. No? And I remember also at the very start, what you were trying to do, and I appreciated it, is that you, you had a shared model of what should be a kitchen or a, how, how you should operate things. Because I remember guys listening here right now, no? Eric shared earlier on like uh, like architectural drawings of you know how you can redo your kitchen or redo your restaurant to make sure that it can operate in the pandemic. Post pandemic, so share, share with me now on your insights. What, what are the insights when it comes to to dine in? What did you have to pivot? What do you think is going to become sustainable? And what do you what did you test that didn't work? I'm sure you, you yeah. went through all that very quickly. Yeah, definitely. So again, you know, we have our own app. We launched our own app. So less touch points. I think that's one thing that we figured out for all this: less touch points, and it's possible, right? With all technologies that are available, it's possible for less touch. Cashless has also been a big factor. Um, I think a lot of people are turning into cashless now. So that's been a big factor. So that was an easy switch for us. Luckily, we were already on our way to that particular setup. This one really just pushed it. We have to educate people to adapt. Now, you launch it? Okay, good. I can do it right away. So in, let's say, Hawker Chan, one, we've initiated kiosks which are only here in the Philippines as far as like the franchise is concerned on the setup of the kiosk. So now you can order from outside, wait for your orders and pick it up and drive by pretty quick. So a lot of those changes has been done 
And then again, you know, even if ang nakita naming problems, like for example, the QR codes and whatnot for reading your menus and whatnot, sa Metro Manila, it's a little bit more easier. But pag pumunta ka na sa mga stores mo the provincial, then it becomes a different story. So I guess a, a good, you know, you cannot look at Manila as a benchmark for all the outer lying cities because it's very much different there. In terms of what? In terms of the consumer journey to order from you? Know, the idea of delivery. Oh. No, one, no one does delivery. Oh, okay. So no one does, I mean, also... not a lot. Not a lot of people do yeah. delivery outside. You'll go to the CBDs like Cebu, and you'll see them, the, the aggregators where they attack particular cities, but you'll see some that parang, ah, wala kaming aggregator dito, wala kaming delivery, because it doesn't make sense to them, right? You know, if you go to the provinces, they go to the malls because on a weekend, gusto nila magsama-samang magpamilya. It wasn't about eating out. Nagkataon lang okay. na pa, okay, magsama-sama tayo sa, let's say, sa mall, tapos kakain tayo sa labas. Nagkataon. Right? That because it's that. But really, it's not about like, gusto natin kumain sa, gusto natin together. Right? So, it's, it's a very different mindset when it comes to the, you know, provinces. Right? So, how, how, how are you handling the provinces? Did, so, did the business go 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 south in the provinces as a result? Very difficult. So, some, some provinces, ang tataas, ha, na parang at the early stage, eh, walang takot sa COVID. So, so again, ah. you'll see the timeline na parang in Manila, it was so fearful and then you see outside, walang takot sa COVID. So, you'll see there's spikes in sales pa sometimes. Right? But when I say also mm-hmm. the technology, as far as like using QR, pagdating ladon, and they gusto namin actual venue. Because they, again, don't have that same fear that we've had here in Metro Manila where there's spike in cases. Sila, they still want to hold a physical menu. So for me, mm-hmm. it's not telling them what to do, but giving them all the available options from the oldest to the newest. And eventually phasing out whatever doesn't work. Right? Wow. So, lahat ng option. You can do cash with me, but I'll disinfect it. You can do all the payment portals with me, go. But, you know, you can look at my menu through your phone or you, I can give you a physical menu. So, we'll give you everything. We don't limit it. We, we understand that it's a transition for everyone. So, you can okay, QR lang kami. No, you give them. But we do a safety measure where if I give you my menu, disinfect ko muna. Right? So, there are ways. Talaga. So, But again, it added cost everything. Yeah. yeah. And of course, your costs go up at the same time, right? But anyway, exactly. that's a, that's a, that's another thing that we were worried about. But also, that's a great innovation in terms of I think digitalizing the in-store experience. What else did you have to learn about in-store? Because I mean, there's a couple of things. Number one is, of course, the air filtration system. I mean, people don't want to go back in because obviously, you know, because of the the air filters are not correct, or you know, there's a closed-in environment. So people are worried about that one. And what are the other, let's say, I know that uh, as a function of your consumer confidence building measures, you try to show how clean the place is visually, right? Share with us a bit more about the other innovations which you came up with when it came to those those, those things. And, you know, uh, uh, make sure it's uh, how to communicate safety and hygiene and also how to communicate that, you know, we can eat in the, we can eat inside. And before that, I want to greet the master, Ricky D, giving us a thumbs up here right now. Boss Ricky, kung gusto mong sumama dito, pwede, pwede ka. I'll give, you the, I'll give you the StreamYard link para pumasa ka dito. Kung meron kang hindi, kung hindi ka sangayon sa sinasabi ni Eric, pakisabi lang sa akin. Ha? So, baka, baka pinapagalitan na pala ako, hindi ko lang alam. <laughs> so yeah, please go ahead. What are the other things that you have to learn in, in these other areas about dining in and the safety, air-wise you know, and I guess safety-wise, hygiene-wise? Because wise. we were kind of spearheading the safety thing, a lot of times we were you know, answered with anger. Right? People were like, Bakit dun sa kabila, hindi naman kami kailangan gawin to? Right? And we really had to be, you stand our ground and educate. But we have to, again, be flexible. The word comes up because it really is the truth to everything that's going on right now. 
But come here, we, from the minute that you walk in, step by step, you know, you get disinfected. And then when you sit down, you have access to a QR code to access the menu. If you want to pay cash, we disinfect that with UV. Your food before delivered is also disinfected with UV. Um, we've used that technology because we feel that hindi mo pwedeng i-alcohol yung food. But again, there's our negative feedbacks with the UV, so we have to put it in certain boxes to protect everything. So again, pinag-isipan. Really, we really put a lot of thought into what we want to do and what we want to show people. Again, air filtration also, that is also a requirement now in BGC. So, you know, good for BGC to requiring that to make sure that circulation within the, the place is always optimal. But again, I think outdoor. So I, I know you know that better, but outdoor is really the thing that's going to really skyrocket right now. Okay. Uh, I'm curious to find out, sabi ni uh, Boss Ricky D, BTS only siya. Behind the scenes only. Akala ko BTS, akala ko kakanta na si Rick. Baka akala ko naging Korean boy bad na si Ricky D, pati mga kapatid mo. Kasi you're all Eric D's naman eh, di ba? Okay. My, my other question over here is that, Okay, you had several types of restaurants and you have your Michelin star, you have, and I know that you also have even canteen style, diba? I mean, I, I know that they're different. Correct, correct. Um, how did each business, I mean, you're handling a portfolio, diba? Versus others are just handling one yeah. set. How do they all react to the pandemic? Was it all the same sort of, did they all go, did they all go do well, do bad, or was it a, a mixed bag when it came to how people reacted to the different types of restaurant or food, food and beverage segments that you were playing in? Definitely, you know, everything acted very much differently from each other. So, you know, if before, as entrepreneurs, we worked hard, now that it's the pandemic, we work harder. Um, just because we have to, again, <laughs> reanalyze everything. You know, back to the drawing board talaga. I mean, yung mga tin- inalagaan naming menu, we had to say na, scrap it. Because we have to change, right? You know, if you th- think back, like, you would never have done that. But now it's like, okay, we have to scrap it because we have to change because it's not good quality. And also, when, you, when it regards to sales, you know, we still have stores that are not operating up until today. And, you know, we have still stores that are, haven't been open since ever since. So we're also reassessing everything. But the good part of it is that the, our partners, the malls, are also in the same page as us, right? Yes. You know, yes, actually, yes. if you're a standalone ka sa labas, we have some property, we have some restaurants that are on a standalone. It's hard because you can get a rental discount there. <laughs> When, uh, when, when outside the mall. malls, when uh, yes, naman okay. sa malls, right? It, it for them it's kind of automatic already. Uh, uh-huh. You know, we the malls have really been a good help to us as far as like understanding. Right, right. Kasi they see it naman, eh, At the end of the day, that's they right. see naman the volumes and and what we're doing, and they're able to adjust to how we can all survive throughout this. Now, what I'm really impressed by with you, Eric, is that you that you got into a new business amidst this one. And I like it because Filipino-Chinese, they're, they're very familiar with the term weiji, right? which is basically in crisis, there is opportunity. And I often, you know, I even give talks on, on the entrepreneurial mindset that, you know, your business will be disrupted and ours is being disrupted by a pandemic. But your job as an entrepreneur is to identify what are the pain points in this pandemic which I can solve. And, and you, you came up with... with with Craver's Kitchen, which is actually a, a cloud kitchen. Now, there have been many, you know, um, many ways to define a cloud kitchen. But can you run us through the story of, of how Craver's Kitchen was developed so people understand that entrepreneurial mindset which led to its creation? Well, I think uh, cloud kitchens was given so much hype because of the name. <laughs> you know that, you know, the Uber, Travis Kalanick suddenly started yes, yes, into exactly. doing cloud kitchens. But in reality, what is a cloud kitchen? It's essentially a centralized kitchen that operates multi-brand coming out from a single outlet that doesn't so, so, do dining. So like, 
At sanay ka na dyan, di ba? I mean, that's basically the foodie business, right? The foodie global concept business, right? You know, I think, like, like, it's so hard nga, Paminsan, when you explain to me, this is how a cloud kitchen works, parang they make it sound so complicated, parang hindi nila maintain. It's like, oh, guys, it's actually, don't put so much weight on the word cloud kitchen. Right? Don't overthink it. Parang don't overthink yeah, it. Yeah, don't it's, overthink it's, it's, it. It's just like, like a commissary. Exactly. commissary. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it, it was something that we were thinking, pondering with foodie, even prior to pandemic, whether we want to do it alone and whatnot. And it came to an opportunity where we met our partners and said that, okay, you know, we might be on the same page and we can collaborate and bring really a good, you know, handful of, of investors and really help us excel, right? You know, so that's why key investors are there so that we synergy, right? At this point, you know, with resto.ph, right? Prior to the pandemic, there was nothing, right? Yes, we, were, exactly. we were like, okay, hi, hello, because we were in the same industry, but nothing really bound us together. We were just, we didn't even, we just uh, say hi exactly. casually, but we would never, there was no bonding talaga. There was no was conversation, no like, okay, alam ko siya yan, uh-huh. you, know, you know, it was all like, oh, kamusta yung bit, you know, it was, <laughs> very, uh, and then it happened, the, the pandemic, and then everyone came close and common problems popped out, discussions popped out, right, and and, and that's what I think really brought us to really work with a lot of people, you know, at, at before we're like, okay, we can do this ourselves, but I think, you know, bringing more heads in and, and collaborating really makes so much exponential growth for, for what we have. Uh, why we did this is we felt that, you know, deliveries is a significant part of what we're doing now. Previously, it was growing. Now it's already at that point that it has to be taken seriously, right? There is one that really just focus on delivery, right? So for us, we're seeing, you know, as a restaurant, we're seeing, you know, because you have stores that might close and you still have assets, that's a good opportunity for you to put it into a cloud kitchen setup. Uh, we're seeing also that we have a lot of these big uh, food groups that have entered our cloud kitchens for them to help expand their their brands into territories that they're not yet sure of. It's becoming kind of like for them to test out the market, right? So we have a big, you know, we have a few people that are lined up to be launched within our cloud kitchens, and we're very excited for that. We can't announce it yet, but uh, it's 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 very exciting, you know, very big brands that why why are they entering cloud kitchens, right? But it really makes sense if you want to, okay. Check assets. Also, if you're you're coming from a cloud kitchen, the, the flexibility really, you know, and, and I think the input that's coming from dine in, what I really want to do is be able to translate what we're known for in dine in into takeout. Right. In dine in, you were always considered value, the value proposition, right? For us, it was always affordable luxury. Uh, how we came became affordable luxury is a de- definition of the service that we provide, the food that we provide, and the pricing that we give. Now in in takeout, how do you add that service aspect, right? How do you add ambiance and the, the niceness of the restaurant, right? Which was your value proposition before. How do you add that now into a delivery platform wherein you receive your products in a microwavable container in a plastic bag, right? So we're now looking into ways on how can you feel proud about a delivery, right? How can you do, okay, power meeting, but we order delivery and it comes to you ready to eat and in, in optimal level. How do you do 30 minutes or less, which I think is, is, is a good service, right? That's right? How, how do you convert? Because you can't like, deliver. Mo lang. Then how you have to compensate for that part na, that is my value proposition because you were giving service, you were giving ambience. Ngayon, paano na yun? So you have to add on, you figure that, how do you translate that into the delivery setup? So that's kind of like what we're trying to break our heads with in this cloud kitchen. And this is what's interesting. I mean, people listening here right now because you're not, I mean, I don't mean to demean you, but you're not a tech guy. You're, you're the food yeah. guy, right? Yeah. I, I know that you have several partners. How exactly 
did the group come together? Because many startup founders are also listening right now. They go, okay, I got a good idea, but then how do I actualize it? Can you help us walk us through how, how did it come together? And was the, like you said, this was an idea prior to the pandemic. Pero, you know, you were just playing with the idea, but the pandemic really accelerated the, yeah. the, the, the push. Tell us how, the, how, how did the group come together and how did you choose which one would, would do what as, as, you grew, as, you, as you start to grow um, Craver's Canteen? So, so for us, it was myself, Victor Lim, and Victor Mapua. You know, Vic Lim has background on, on tech. So that's where he comes in more on the startup. He's been with Coins. He's been with Zalora. Victor Mapua has been running an entrepreneur, his business, his own business. So he's more on the operational guy. And as far as my, I'm concerned, that's kind of like the input that we're bringing in on how to get the brick and mortar into delivery, access also to the restaurants and the brands that we already have. And really, you know, we, we collaborated and thought about the pain points. It's always, think about the problem. Okay, we need to get the delivery. We need to get good products. We need to scale very fast, right? But we need to make sure that quality is always there. And again, service is always there. And, you know, yeah. for me, it's more on the technical on how to get the food good again we're we're exploring into different types of packaging into better packaging so that we can get to you at an optimal level or you know more innovative things not just you know slapping everything and sending it to you uh yeah. we're also looking into a lot of aspects also of you know franchising in the online world right so how can you do that now so now we're talking to you know brands from overseas and starting them as an online brand and for us it's like okay if you do well online we can convert you easily into a brick and mortar store with the assets that we have but you also have to consider maybe you don't even need to be on a brick and mortar store. That now becomes right. uh, you know a, a testing point, right? An online store now can test its ground and and have its own feet and become like, okay, do I really need to be in a brick and mortar store? Maybe at this point, not yet. So it, it, it's really a good testing ground, right? So That's and good. we allow that as a as a as Cravers Continue, we really encourage that in that sense. That okay, test this out. You want to test this market for yours. Test this market for yours. Or for us, it's like because we're spread out ar- across Metro Manila, we're taking Quezon City brands and putting them in Makati and vice versa that are not accessible within your neighborhood and now bringing it to your neighborhood, that type of thing. That's right. It, and it's a, very, it's, a, it's a great scalable concept. And I just want to, I'm just curious, um, just very recently, very congratulations, you guys were able to raise, uh, is that Series A that you were able to raise? Uh, that was a seed round first, so we're a seed round, seed round. A soon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm sure that at the start, these these terms were unfamiliar to you. I mean, as a as a food business entrepreneur, this is not. I mean, even for me, but I mean, the, the things I'm just exposed because of my exposure to the startup community as to the terminologies when it comes to doing startups. But then that that was really great news. Tell us how you how you came about the first seed round. How did the people come in? I mean, I'm sure when you but, came in there, it was like wow. Unbelievable, man. It, 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 you know, this, this, you know, working with, with, with a family business is another thing. Working with a startup is another totally different aspect, right? Um, with, with us, especially that we're an established brand. We've been in the industry for more than 30 years, as you mentioned. We, we pretty much have things that are already set up, right? We update things, we improve things, but it's already there. And it's kind of like cookie cutter style that we've been trying to do. With a startup, it's just a lot of exploring, you know, and, and it really helps you jog your 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 mind and your creativity as far as like okay what can we do let's test it out it doesn't work okay kill it right uh, it's that that aspect of that startup and and me is just the funding world you know meeting all these you know that, that there's money that you can access everywhere and it, it, it's great like meeting the network synergy that's that's where i felt like people helping each other growing that network one of our you know our key investors foxmont capital you know we we hold you know uh, round tables where we have access to all our fellow, you know, Foxmont Capital partners 
that, like for example, Kumu. So I know that this is live during Kumu. So you know, Rexy, Angelo, and you know, um, um, Roland. Uh, Roland. So hi guys. <laughs> but uh -huh. yeah, so we talk to them as well. So we're working with them to see where we can collaborate and excel each other. Right. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a there's an ongoing initiative called the Sinigang Valley, right? <laughs> that they're pushing to kind of like do our own thing, right? And push us all startups and, and focus. Uh, I, I think the other day, um, Foxmont announced a $20 million fund uh, called the Fund2. So congratulations yeah. to them. But, you know, there, and, there's and this is, focus this on is with Franco, Franco Verona, right? Franco Verona. Franco Verona, yes. And uh, Jesse yeah. Maxwell. Fantastic. Really great work coming from you guys. And what an amazing journey for you guys, actually. Uh, when you started doing food, because you know what, guys, this 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 is the best part I want to talk about. That the actual background of, of Eric D when it came to food and how it started off. Because I'm glad boss Ricky D is does actually listen to his story because he's got a fantastic journey when it comes to being an entrepreneur in his family business. Tell us a bit. I know I know you talked about it earlier on, but then uh, you know. Eric wasn't the best student growing up. Is that, is that right, Studios, Eric? studios. Studios, <laughs> you know, studios. Sa classroom, parang Tell us a bit more <laughs> but, about, you know, diba, how you ended up coming time, back to food. Yeah, yeah. At that time, iba yung definition and disruptive. Right? Uh, I, was giving this talk, I was giving this talk for, uh, for BSM about breaking rules, right? So I was in front of them for a TEDx talk. I was like, okay, rules are meant to be broken, right? Because in the school, I was like the naughty kid, the one that was being disruptive. But at that time, being disruptive, when I was the makulit guy that was always noisy, not listening, sent to the back of the class, unknowingly, like, you know, thinking about how or new ideas. So I wasn't the studious type. And, and really, I was just lucky enough to understand that I grew up in, in a food-centric family, right? You know, and one of the first projects that we worked on was with... Chef Todd English, right? So I met Oliver, which is uh, his son. We we clicked because we were both what he defines as banquet kids, right? So my parents were, you know, married at a very young age, uh, started a restaurant at, I think, 20 years old in, in, in Pasay Road. And literally, I was there in the cashier and my, my friends were all the waiters and, you know, we were going to the market. So I was, you know, second nature for me being in a restaurant. And, and when it happened, like, you know, I was in college in the U.S., I also worked in FNB, did a stint in um, Kuala Lumpur, and I also handled uh, hotels there as well. So it was really my main exposure. And during that time, I felt that I know what I was doing. I felt comfortable. And I felt that in this industry, I can contribute. And that really made so much sense to me where it took me where I am today, I guess. Hello there, Chinkitan here, motivational speaker, wealth coach, best-selling author, and now host of Chink Positive Podcast, a podcast that aims to help you to become wealthy and debt-free by teaching you on how to save, budget, get out of debt, and invest. Powered by Podcast Network Asia, available on wherever you get your podcasts. See you there. When you came back here, I know that there was no foodie, right? There was no concept yeah. of the of, of, of foodie at that start. Was the idea to sort of start? I know that you started off with 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 with. I guess the biggest gamble there was the Todd English Food Hall to yeah. bring that in because that was a practically a, a almost <laughs> occupied a large space in SM, and that was a big, I guess, financial gamble. 
how did you think about how did you think about that one? Bring that in because you you used to just handle just your lo- your local brands, and, and why did you break out into doing something like Tad English Food Hall at the start? Correct. I think you know that was again. I, I guess you could understand this great timing. I actually was supposed to still be in Malaysia for a couple more years, but at that time I actually met Todd English in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, mm-hmm. I met Todd English in Kuala Lumpur because he was doing a show, an episode in in Kuala Lumpur. Met him, and then after two years of back and forth emails, that's when we realized, okay, let's do something, and decided like, okay, let's try this. And again, that was a 900 square meter space. It was like seven restaurants in one. It was. Crazy, <laughs> right? To say the least, it was the first food hall and celebrity chef and inside SM Aura. It has to be in the fourth floor. So it was, but luckily, timing talaga. I think more than anything, you know, it was, we really worked hard for it. We really developed it. You know, myself, I, I stayed in, well, all, all, pretty much all the brands that we've brought in, I've personally trained with the chefs. So I am not a trained cook. I'm an international business graduate, but I guess I have one of the best resumes when it comes to being a chef. Because I've trained with all the Michelin star chefs, I, and literally lived there for like two months. We lived in Milan for two months, lived in you know New York for two months. We'd really bike and you know do the family meals with these chefs, and and, and it was really a great experience. And really for me, understanding up until to that point that that we're able to manage our our restaurants really well. And yeah, you know you would mention that there wasn't foodie before. It was a growing thing that you know me and my father when we were talking about this, we decided we needed something to hold our brand together. To, to make people understand like these all belongs to a single thing and that that's what happened to Foodie. And I, I guess from the timing, when we opened uh, Todd English that same year, we also opened Tim Ho Wan. At that time, no one knew what a Michelin star is. We had to, again, educate, which was a difficult part because you had to explain, you know, people will bash you, oh, you're not a Michelin star. Correct, we're not. But we come from a Michelin star lineage, which we had to, again, explain and do this. But now, how many Michelin stars do we have in this country? And you know, the, every it became a rocket. Right? I, I don't know if you know you felt that like everything you know, from world class brands coming in, opening restaurants left and right. You know, Shake Shack now opened everything from, so, from people um, who don't even look at the Philippines before. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I guess the question here is, how did you build on on? You, you mentioned earlier on in your discussion that you were getting into that sector of affordable luxury, right? That that's basically that Michelin starred restaurants which you bring in. By Eric, that's how you did it. Right. But can you help? Can you help me? You know, if you step up back a bit more, can you bring us to that restaurant journey? The, the I mean, I guess the first until what is the latest incarnation, and, and where did, where it eventually took you to where where foodie is today in terms of you know how did you come up with that positioning of affordable luxury and how did all these different sort of restaurants? What did you learn from moving from one stage to another to bring it to to where it is right now in terms of that positioning of affordable luxury. What's the first big brand that, uh, or what's the first brand that you guys did that you that you that you evolved? I from? think to to start off, value has always been something that the the father has trained us to to always give the consumers, right? I mean, nowadays there's so much definitions for what we do, but before my dad just said, make it sulit, make it sulit for everyone, right? How do you make it sulit? Make it good, make it. You know, don't, don't the markups should be well calculated, sizing, everything. All the small aspects has to be considered. But our first foray was into Mesa. I think Mesa was one of our really fastest growing brands that started off from a, a concept called La Mesa, actually, where we grilled on the table. So at that time, yung Samgyupsal, Filipino style, we were doing that. But again, you know, timing was important. That was way beyond, way ahead of its time, right? This was, uh, I think, 2000s or it was early on. Right and wasn't ready for for that type of concept, but eventually we were given a spot in in, in Greenbelt, 
which was meant Greenbelt Five, which meant to be a high end, high end mall, which it still is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but at that time, we felt that okay, we can do high end, but that doesn't mean that the prices have to be high end. We give you, you know, full on service, ambient, stable side service. That makes it sulit. That adds to the value of what you're paying because, you know, in a burger's place, you can get a, you know, uh, a burger steak for 55 pesos. Now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you have to justify now, why is your burger 100, uh, burgers like 180 pesos, right? So you add on really the value. And that's that's kind of been the core. So if you look at the brands that we've brought in from Todd English to to what we have today, Hawker Chan, Tim Ho Wan, it's always been aff- about affordable. Tim Ho Wan becoming the cheapest Michelin star uh, restaurant at that time, right? And then followed by, you know, Hawker Chan, which is currently the cheapest Michelin star in the world. And then, you know, we had an Italian brand that, you know, was the cheapest Michelin star fine dining, right? So it, there was similarity. I guess what your question was, like, how do we choose the brands? Is Again, I guess besides, so, yeah. besides, oh. it, besides it being something that we want to, that we want to eat, we accept it. It has to be something acceptable also to the Philippines, right? It, you know, I also love eating super fancy ones, but that doesn't necessarily mean it would work in the Philippines. So that's a big consideration for us is that can it, the Philippines understand it and can they afford it? So that's very important for us. So that's why it's always been really affordable luxury has been a, our, our guiding statement on how we select all these brands. You know, after having brought in all these brands, you know, um, how was it like for you to actually do the first set, I guess, of... of bring in a, a, what I call a franchise brand because the negotiations for that uh, might not have been that easy. I mean, you were leveraging, of course, on your reputation doing it because on on the show previously, I I actually had also Abanapa of of the Moment Group and telling us, you know, how long it took them to negotiate to get uh, Din Tai Fung to the country. You know, how was it like for you guys? Um, not yet. Well, well, our reputation at that time, we were all very local. And when you speak to all these, these groups outside, you know, they were like, what, Philippines? You know, I had I was talking to Chef David Aldani. He didn't even know where the Philippines was or where. Oh, wow. the, and he, when I brought him here, it's like, OK, I only want to stay two nights because that's how afraid he was. So, you know, it, it was difficult, right? It was really difficult. And that's why I said that throughout the years, big long people suddenly, OK, let's go to the Philippines because it became easier now. Suddenly, there was a spotlight when it came to restaurants opening in the Philippines. But at the beginning, it was really, you know, we had to prove ourselves. You know, for myself, I, I took the personal journey to meet these people, stayed with them for a few days to really understand each other and really get the message that a failure in, in the brand is a failure in our name. So that knowing that we will take care of the brand is the same way we would take care of our own brand. And that's, that's I think, what what a lot of these brands appreciate from us. Wow. I mean, that, that's, I mean, we've covered so much material. I'm, I'm so surprised. And, you know, I, I wish I could speak to you a lot more. But, but really, moving on here now, I mean, we're going to start sort of wrapping up this discussion. But, Eric, you know, the, the nice thing here is that you've got a, a great perspective where you see uh, not only, you know, what's happening in the F&B, but even in the, in the leasing world, in the tech world. You've, you're, you're playing in different spaces right now. Uh, what do you see as the emerging opportunities where entrepreneurs can can still play in right now? Where can people come in and, and, and contribute to a sort of ecosystem that's going to be built up during this new normal? You know, for me, I think it's that, you know, focus on your core still, but look on how you can improve. Like even before the pandemic, I was already thinking about how can we take food online? Yes, delivery and all that. And then the cloud kitchens came about and that became a, a step, right? So always try, like during the pandemic, I always ask my architect friends, how can you improve your, like being an architect, can you have a platform that provides just, you know, designs that they could start off building houses? 
you know, for me, it's just look, because you know your business more than anyone, you will also be the person to know how to upgrade it in a better in a better setup. For me, I think technology is here to stay. Uh, that's that's a given, right? You know, cashless. We all have all these cashless payments that are working. Definitely look into that. Brick and mortar might be something that you can consider if you already are doing so well. Uh, but there are really equal playing field now and reassess everyone's kind of movements. For us, it's like, okay, we want to be brick and mortar. We want to test the online world and have aspects of it so that and find synergies on how we can translate those from online to brick and mortar and vice versa. Wow. And what, what, what are the other areas you're seeing in food or in terms of other opportunities in terms of specific cuisines or trends or in terms of digitalization? What do you see is, is key for, for brands right now to survive? Because the nice thing about this, this time is that we're seeing that, you know, you, you know, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats, meaning that, you know, if one restaurant does good, we all do good. Or if the food industry does good, we all do good. What are you seeing as, as these opportunities that, that are still uh, that are still open, that entrepreneurs can still play Look in. Me, I think there's still really growth in this online space. You know, um, there we ha- we've met with a couple cloud kitchens as well. You, I mean, you're also doing your own thing with the home makers, which we saw during the pandemic that has increased significantly. You know, and then suddenly you'll see these, you know, crisis entrepreneurs that are suddenly all stars. You know, Mary Grace was a uh, was was selling cheese rolls from the from the back of her house, correct? So anything's possible to that. You know, we see sushi bake, for example, that sushi bake. And, you know, and that's, again, with, with cloud kitchens, you're ad- ad- able to do these seasonal products and, mm-hmm. and, and, and launch products that quick and take them down once the fad is done. You couldn't have done that in a brick and mortar store. Right. And I, I think also the malls are also looking and seeing the, the, the growth of the cloud kitchen setup. So I think, you know, maybe we'll see all the restaurants suddenly becoming their own kitchens. Right. And and having said that, um, what is next for you guys? What is next uh, for the foodie group? Where, where do you see it? Are you going to be, are you confident enough to launch, to bring in some more franchise? Are you going to be opening up your own brands? What is the next, what is next? Because usually you guys provide a barometer of where this business is going to be going. Well, for us, we're now, um, you know, starting up our, our foodie online. So that's going to be a bunch of online brands that we're bringing in. We're not stopping from bringing in foreign brands. Uh, but we're just bringing in the bringing in the foreign brands in a different way, in a more digital way. Uh, again, you know, we're working with the likes of Kumu as well to launch brands uh, moving forward. And you know, again, we're known for that. We will still stick to again our core affordable luxury, still quality products. We're we're still bringing in you know good brands that are wanting to be in the Philippines and there's still demand. Uh, but we're doing it safer, right? We'll do online first and then. And then we'll see from there. And I guess, again, you might not even need to be in a brick and mortar, right? Well, thanks so much, uh, Eric, for joining us for this discussion. Before everything else, we just want to say hi again to our good friends from Kumo. And of course, uh, your partners in Foxmon Capital uh, uh, with, with Roland and the rest and Angelo. And Kumo is a Pinoy live streaming app where you can connect with Filipino streamers and celebrities. In fact, our app, our, our show right now is also live in Kumo as well. Use our link in the description to follow um, some more Kumu streamers. And again, Eric, before we finally close this out, no, any tips for um, you know aspiring food entrepreneurs or people who are there right now who are struggling? Because there's, there's, I mean, I know that for uh, at this point, there are many of them who are actually listening here right now. They're going, you know, Eric, it's great where you are because uh, you've got the capital, you've got the connections, you know where to go. But some of them are just, you know, they're playing, you know, I'm, I'm at the end of my rope, Eric. Um, you know, I, what, what do I do? What advice would you give these people? 
correction it's also very difficult for us you mean i mean for us alone it's just we've had you know we have you know employees that we couldn't take back anymore right that was hurtful right so it, it it's difficult for everyone and i guess we're on the same boat some people are doing well than the others but we're feeling the pain right even as our size that that actually makes it our overheads are a lot bigger so even to operate certain stores we're like okay our overheads so much bigger so but there is opportunity we will dine again it will happen right there is light at the end of the tunnel i know that we've been saying this a lot you know i guess for lack of a better term kapitlang and then you know we'll, we'll we'll get through this we'll get through this we were saying this in 2020 we're here mid 2021 right and kaya natin yan we're we're getting the vaccines ready Right, I'm fully vaccinated. I've, I've done yeah, I saw the pictures. Congratulations, man! Congratulations. Right. Last week, so great weight off really? my shoulder. I, I'm looking to go back into action and and really pushing this forward. Yeah, uh, I, I know. I saw the pictures of you and your wife getting vaccinated. Congratulations, yeah. myself and Vanessa. We also got vaccinated. When you say kapitlang, last na last na to, di ba, Eric? Kapitlang. I guess how would you concretize kapitlang from from your point of view? You, you shared a lot about packaging and about micromanaging your costs. If you were back to doing that small restaurant management, what would be like your, maybe your top tips for small restaurant owners to, to keep to keep the lights on for them? Go back to your basics, right? As an entrepreneur, before kayo yung nagluluto, kayo yung nagtatrabaho, kayo yung talagang gumagawa ng stuff, then maybe that's a time to really go back to that. Understand your business. You're the only one that understands it better than the rest. So know where you can save and know where you need to put more money into. Take this opportunity to optimize your operations because now you're working on, especially if you're in a mall, you're working on a better, you know, rental, I guess, from before. But you also have to manage your people and being able to adjust. I, I think that you know, moving forward, this will be a seasonal thing. You know, every now and then, so it has to be that you have have switches, I guess. Like, okay, ECQ, pack, turn the ECQ switch on. You already know the protocols. Are we going to open? You know, hindi nagtatanong. Oh, it's our TCQ tayo, 10%. We know. Okay, set it up. Okay, this. How many tao ka dapat pag ECQ? How many, you know, when are you going to open? When are you going to close? So really having that ready and and always have a plan B, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think that I think that's the biggest thing that people learned is having a plan B, especially <laughs> when this, oh, when this second... Out. <laughs> yeah, brother Kanina, we had a plan B, but the second ECQ really hit many of us pretty hard because you know everybody was very optimistic, but all of a sudden this happens again, and and the 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 winners were the plan were the people with the with the appropriate plan B at this time. So right. uh, kudos to them. By the way, uh, my my cousin-in-law Rina Lu greeting us here right now, saying great podcast. Thanks so much, Rina Lu, for listening to us here right now, and uh, Richie Ang, Richie Ang uh, saying here, ang galing ni Eric D. Good show, RJ. God bless. And Paul Laksamana likes a piece of advice. Galing ng switch. I think that's it's really, if there's anything I picked up from this one, I mean, or from anybody else, we've got to be, you know, we have to have the plans in place for switch, for uh, GCQ, ECQ. Switch, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I remember, I mean, just to, to share with you one thing, uh, in the rest of PH group of which I'm a part of the Viber group together with your dad and the other restaurant owners, Raymond Magdaluyo uh, of Wolfgang Steakhouse said, you know what? If the computer has sort of like a sleep mode or a hibernating mode that they have, we in the restaurant industry or the food beverage must also have some sort of mode that we can come into so that we can yeah, be in sort of like a hibernation before redefined we get... Redefined setups already. Redefined setups really. And then, but it doesn't take just, I guess, one restaurant. It really is 
sort of ecosystem. And we're glad that right now, I think one of the silver lines, linings is that uh, this industry has brought together the restaurant industry in ways that we haven't seen before. So again, Correct. thanks so much to everybody for joining us here on the RJ Ledespa podcast. Now, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast and you are learning a lot from the podcast, please subscribe and invite more people to listen to the RJ Ledespa podcast. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Again, we will see you guys again next week. Thanks so much for listening. God bless. Take care, guys. Thanks so much. Eric, please stay around. Bye, guys. Bye. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.